0: Alright, well what's up Reckless? Man, it's good to see you guys here tonight. And uh, man, it's already been a great night. Some incredible worship. These guys have done a, a, an amazing job. And um, it's been a great night. And so we're only going to get better from here. Man, I am so, so excited as we, uh, as we begin a new series tonight. And the reason I'm excited is because I believe that this series has the potential to radically change the way we live. Now, I know we talk a lot about, you know, series we're in and as we start it. I mean, there's excitement and man, this is going to be a great series and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not just feeding you a, a bunch of bull. I mean, I really believe that this series is going to dramatically impact all of us. This, uh, this series that we're in is called Revolution Within. Now, about 12 years ago, uh, I went through a book with this same title, and it was written by a guy named Dwight Edwards. And, uh, and I'm not overblowing this when I say God used this book more than many other books in my life to transform who I am in Christ. I mean, I grew up in the church. I thought I had a pretty good un- understanding of the gospel and, and what it meant to follow Jesus. And man, when I went through this book, I mean, it radically shaped who I am today. And it gave me so much wisdom and so much knowledge and insight into what it means to follow Jesus every single day. And the amazing thing that happens when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus. And so, I believe that, that that's why I'm so excited about this series. Because I believe that it's going to have the same impact on all of us. And one of the great things about what we're going to be talking about is it doesn't really matter where you are tonight spiritually. Spiritually. Maybe you've walked in the room and you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus. Maybe you're looking into this whole thing. You're trying to figure out what you believe. And it's awesome that you've come tonight. Maybe you are kind of, you, you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't really know what you're supposed to do. Or, you know, you're kind of in the, in the middle, still, still kind of figuring this thing out. Or maybe you feel like you're a mature believer. You grew up in church. God's just doing some amazing things in your life. You feel like you've got a lot of maturity in your faith. That there is, no matter where you are tonight, there is something incredible that I believe that God's going to do in all of us, not just tonight, but throughout this series. And so that's why I'm excited. So I'm going to challenge you guys not to miss a week over the next five weeks. Number one, for you guys to show up and be here. But number two, I mean, we've talked since the beginning of the year of getting to a point where we're outgrowing this, this student theater. And we're getting close. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of. Um... So I'm going to challenge you guys over the next five weeks to really dive in and be here, be a part of it. But not only that, I'm going to challenge all of you to bring somebody. We've been talking since the beginning of the year about outgrowing this student theater. And we're getting close. And man, wouldn't it be awesome for us to kind of take steps in that direction over these next few weeks and just watch as God blows us away. So here's how I want to start tonight, alright, I'm going to throw out a question to you and I want you to think about this question. And the question is this, how would you describe your relationship with God right now? Like as you sit in that seat tonight in this very moment, how would you describe your relationship with God? Now, don't, you don't have to throw out any answers. I want you just to th- take just a minute and think about what that would mean, what would that would look like for your own faith, all right? If you were to use one word to describe your relationship with Jesus right now, what would it be? As you're thinking about that, maybe, maybe there are words that you would think in your mind. Maybe, maybe it's non-existent. Maybe you're among that first group that I just mentioned where you're still figuring this thing out. You're trying to, you know, you don't know what you believe. And so your relationship with God right now is, is, is non-existent. Would you use words like maybe weak? Or passionless? Or maybe frustrating? Or maybe would you were, use words like incredible? I mean, God is blowing me away. ...with some of the things he's doing. I'm in in a really incredible place in my relationship with God right now. But what word or phrase would you use to describe it tonight? I mean, as we get started in this series... ...are you experiencing a dynamic walk with God... ...that you want or that it seems like others around you are experiencing? And if you're not, especially if you're kind of in that weak or frustrating category... If you're feeling that right now in this moment tonight, I believe that we're missing a key ingredient. That's the reason why we're so frustrated in the moment. When uh, a few years ago when my, my kids were a little bit younger, we had this set of walkie-talkies. And uh, so my kids would come up and they'd say, hey dad, let's, let's play with these walkie-talkies. And so they would, I would stay on one side of the house and they would run to the other end and And they would turn it on and I would have mine on and so all of a sudden I'd wait a couple minutes and then I'd say, hey guys, this is daddy, can you hear me? Come in. Breaker 1-9, shepherd of lost sheep, you know, any of those phrases. Can you hear me? Are you there? And then it would be silence on the other end. And I would wait and I would wait. And finally, you know, after a few seconds I'd hear, daddy, we can hear you. Daddy, are you there? Can you hear us? But it wouldn't be coming through the walkie-talkie. It'd be coming from their, sh- their screams from the other side of the house. And so, uh, you know, a minute or two would pass, and inevitably they would come running back over to where I was. And they would say, Dad, it's not working. I mean, I can hear you, but, but, but you can't hear us, and I don't know what we're doing wrong and, and why this won't work right. Dad, this thing stinks. I don't understand it. And finally I'd have to say, look, let me explain how this is supposed to work. Let me explain what you're supposed to do. You see that button right there. You push that button when you want to talk. But you've got to let go of that button in order to hear me. And so they go, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So then they would run back across the the, the house and we would play the whole thing over again. I mean, they'd get frustrated. They wouldn't push the button at the right time they get been out of shape, they'd come running back, and then finally they would just, they would either quit, or what they would do is they would just pretend or put, just put the uh, walkie-talkie in their pocket and walk around with it. And they would get to the point that they were so frustrated that they would miss what the walkie-talkie was capable of. I mean, they would never fully experience what the walkie-talkie could do because they didn't know what their responsibility was to make it happen. Now, to use that same illustration, I believe that there are a lot of us in the room that our relationship with God is very similar to that. I mean, we know that we should live differently. We feel like maybe in a lot of cases we have a pretty good idea of what we're supposed to do, of what our relationship with God should look like. But we get frustrated because we don't know the things that we're supposed to do to help make it happen. But we know what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. Or maybe we even look around us and we see other people experiencing it. And we get frustrated because we're like, well it seems like they're pushing all the right buttons. But I'm not doing something right. Or there's some kind of a disconnect. Because what I'm experiencing is not what it seems like they're experiencing. And we get really frustrated because we feel like our relationship with God isn't what it's supposed to to be. And so what we do a lot of times is we get frustrated and we walk around with Jesus kind of in our back pocket and we, we don't really know what we're supposed to do, and we never, at the end of the day, we never fully experience the life that we were meant to live. And we get frustrated, and maybe we even get to the point where we throw in the towel and we give up. Because we don't see the value in this relationship with God that we're supposed to experience. Now here's the other thing that we do sometimes. Sometimes we look at the cross of Christ as only an eternity with him in heaven. All right, Because Jesus has given up his life for me on the cross. Man, one day I'm going to spend forever with him. and So yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Hell looks like a pretty crappy place to be. I'd love to go to heaven. That's a much better alternative. So we put our faith and trust in Jesus and go, man, you know, one day I'm going to be in heaven forever. And it's going to be awesome and it's going to be amazing. But we feel like until we get there, we've just got to hold on. We've just got to We've got to push on. We've got to hold on. We've got to go into a survival mode until one day we get to heaven, and then it's going to be amazing. But that's so far off from the life that God has for us and the things that God wants for us to experience. I mean, the good news of the cross is more than just about a future home in heaven. I mean, is it as incredible as that is, and one day we will see that, and it will be awesome, and we, we will... There are things that we don't even understand that one day we will see. And it will be incredible. But our relationship with Jesus is not only about one day. It's about today. See, I believe that God has made available everything necessary to live an incredibly fulfilling life now. Now. It's not just about one day, it's about today, that every single day we can experience an incredible life with Christ. But if we don't understand the resources that have been made available to us in our relationship with Jesus, then we will not experience all that God has for us. And that's what this series is all about. As we get started tonight... Here's the first point. I want you guys to write this in your notes. The first thing that we need to understand in order to experience a revolution within is this. The moment you trust Jesus as Savior, a revolution begins within you. And it's waiting to be released. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, not one day, not ten years from now, not when you attend church enough... The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, a revolution begins within you. When I was in high school and I turned 16, I got my first car. Now, go ahead and throw up the picture on the screen. And you'll get a really good idea of my first car. All right, There it is. I drove a 1985 Plymouth Reliant station wagon. Gold station wagon, as you can see. All right? Now, that was my first car. I think that my parents tried to find the the biggest piece of junk that they could possibly find and said, Here, here you go. Here's your first car. You're still figuring out how to drive, so run that over the neighbor's mailbox or the neighbor's cat or run it off a curb or do whatever you've got to do. But learn how to drive on that thing. Because if you mess that up, there's not a whole lot of of value that's in that thing. So it's not going to cost us a lot of money. So that's what I drove. Some of you guys, you know, mom and dad buy you a, a nice new car or a, you know, a used Beamer or something crazy like that. And if you have that, man, God bless you. I'm excited for you. But that was not me. Okay? I drove a 1985 Plymouth Reliant station wagon. And here's some things you've got to understand about this car. Not only was it crappy on the outside, it was crappy on the inside. Alright, this thing was a pile of junk. I remember the first time, uh, I hadn't been driving all that long, and so I'm driving up the road, and all of a sudden, I'm going, you know, 40 miles an hour down the road, and the car, the engine just completely shuts off on me. I mean, completely shuts off. And so, you know, I'm barely able to kind of pull the wheel over to the side of of the road out of the middle of traffic, and, I, you know, it won't start, I'm trying to turn it, turn it, it won't start. So I pick up my phone and I call my dad. And I said, dad, man, this car that you bought me is a piece of junk. It just broke down in the middle of the road. And my dad says, what, well, did you put gas in it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gas, so you need that. And I look at the, I look at the gas gauge and it's below the E. So I'm like, oh, got you, Dad. Thanks, man. That's the first lesson learned. Got to put gas in the car. Appreciate that. But that was one of the few times that that car shut down because I was an idiot. All right? And forgot to put gas in it. It shut down, and the engine was always broken. That car was always breaking down. And that was, and it was always because of how crappy the car was. All right? I remember driving down uh, the road one time, and we had, I had my younger uh, brother and sister in the car with me, and we pull up to a stoplight, and this truck pulls up at the stoplight next to us, and so we look over, I look over at him, he's kind of staring at me, and so I'm like, oh, he wants some of this, so I rev my engine in my 85 Plymouth Reliant, and it barely does anything, but I rev the engine, I'm like, oh, you want some of this, and all of a sudden, he, he makes the signal, you know, for this, like, roll the window down. Yeah, that's what you had to do. You had to roll the window down manually. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we roll the window down. And he says, hey, bro, I just want you to know that there, is, there are flames shooting out of your tailpipe. And I'm sitting here thinking, sweet. I got a car that is shooting flames out of the tailpipe. And that's pretty awesome. I, I thought this car was, was a piece of junk. All of a sudden, now I'm thinking, this car is pretty cool. And he goes, no, 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 no. Dude, that's, that's not supposed to happen. Okay, that's not a good thing. Your car might blow up. So I would suggest that you pull it to the side of the road and call somebody and don't drive that thing anymore. Alright, that just gives you a pretty good explanation of of the car that I drove. Now, here's the thing about that car. There were were some times where I would run it through a car wash. I would take that thing through a car wash and it would come out on the other side and it it would look... You know, still junky, but it would look a little bit nicer on the outside. It would look a little bit nicer on the outside, but in all reality, there was not much I could do to keep that from being the same piece of junk car that that it was. Now, think about that same thing, that, that idea of a car wash. I believe that some of us view our relationship with God and the beginning of our relationship with God, like we do a car wa- going through a car wash. We feel like we go in, you know, we're the car and we go into the car wash, a.k.a. Our, our new life in Christ or God forgiving our sins or us receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers. We go in a filthy clunker and we come out with our sins washed away. A cleansed clunker. We're a little bit nicer on the outside, but we're still, we're still the same crappy person on the inside. You know, we're a little bit better, you know, God's forgiven our sins, and so we, we, we like that, but we still feel like we're the same person that we were before Jesus showed, on the, showed up on the scene. And we think sometimes that that's what our relationship with God looks like. And when we come to, our, to, to faith in Jesus as Savior, that that's what God does. He, he washes us off. He kind of brushes up the, the, the nasty edges. But we're still the same messed up person that we were before. Here's a better picture of what happens. We're a 1985 Plymouth Reliant gold with the upholstery that's nasty and the engine's on fire. And we're a complete joke of a person. And we go in and we come out the other side. Fill in the blank of whatever your dream car would be. A Lamborghini. Or whatever. right, We come out on the other side of Ferrari. And it's not just that God has kind of wiped off the rough edges, but we still look the same and we still feel the same. What actually happens is a complete and total transformation. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about how if any person is in Christ... They are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now that's not in any way a picture of of a a nasty car and then come out the other side just a little bit of a better version of a nasty car. That is the picture and the reality of what God does in us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus. If you are in this room tonight and you have put your faith and trust in Christ and you've received the forgiveness that He offers, you are a new creation. You are not just a little bit better version of who you used to be. God has completely transformed you from the inside. He's given you a new engine, He's given you new upholstery, He's given you a new everything. I mean, the new wiring, everything has been changed. Now, in reality, we still have that sinful nature in us. And we still have that old engine is there. But God has breathed life into us. And he's taken our, our dead heart and he's given us a heart that beats for him. God has changed everything about who we are. Now, when we, when, sometimes when we give our heart to Jesus, here's what we think. We, we immediately think, all right, I've got to stop doing this. I can't do that anymore. I can't go these places. I can't do this. I can't have fun in this area. I've got to start doing this, this, and this. And we immediately start thinking about behavior. And we start thinking about all of the things that we've got to change about ourselves and the way that we act. And we think that that's what we've got to do in order to begin to change who we are and and, and to experience life transformation. We immediately think about the external. But the truth of what we've got to do is be able to focus on the inside. In order to experience a revolution, it starts from the inside out. It doesn't start out there. It doesn't start with the actions that we take. It doesn't start with the behaviors. It starts with who we are on the inside. See, it's not about a change in behavior. It's about a change in our heart. Let me be very clear about this, all right, and maybe this will help some of you. Our number one goal for you guys is not to help you become good moral people who obey your parents and you don't drink or you don't party or you don't sleep around. All right, that's not the the number one goal that we have for you. Our number one goal, what we desire, is for each and every one of you to experience life transformation in Christ. Now, the behaviors and those things that we do or don't do are important. They matter. But that's not of utmost importance. And if we focus first and primarily on the behavior, then maybe that's a a reason why a lot of us are so frustrated in the moment. Because we're not allowing God to transform us from the inside out. We're trying to do it ourselves. So here's the key. The key for us to live a transformational life is this, to understand this truth, God lives in you. Now, I don't care what you've got to do right now to remember that, to write it down, to not walk out of the room or go home tonight and forget this. Because what we're talking about tonight and really what sets up the rest of the series is this truth right here. In order for us to experience a transformational life, we have to grab a hold of that reality that God lives in us. Listen to what Colossians 1.27 says. Paul says, for God wanted them, talking about the people in the world, to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. And this is the secret. This is the key. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Now think about that reality for just a minute, all right? God lives in you. The same God that created the world, the same God who gave up his life through Jesus on the cross, lives inside of you. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have the very power and presence of God inside of you. Sometimes we think that God is kind of out there somewhere. That God is distant, that God is He cares about us, but he's kind of out there. And this flips that whole idea on its head that yeah god is near god is around us god is is here god is present but first and foremost that transition takes place between god being out there or around us and at the moment of our conversion god is now in us some of us need to soak in that reality I mean, if you're frustrated, if you're burnt out, and you don't understand why, or you're not really seeing the benefits or the rewards of what this life is supposed to be all about, then maybe the starting point for you is to soak in that reality and think, how different does it change my thoughts and my attitudes and just my own understanding about my life and what I'm supposed to do when I really grasp that incredible reality that God, the Creator, lives in me? God lives in me. He's not just out there. He's in here. And God, if if we really understand how big of a deal that is, I mean, that, that is a game changer for us. And maybe the reason why you've been frustrated or burnt out is because you've just failed to really understand the gravity of that reality. The weight of that, how big of an impact that needs to make in your heart and your life. To know that God lives in you. The main point for us tonight is this. The revolution within us starts with the reality that God lives within us. The revolution within us starts with the reality that God lives in us. Now we go back to the, to the Old Testament. And in, in uh, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel is, it has this vision. All right? And some of you guys may be familiar with this. It's, it's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And in verse 25, here's something incredible that God is prophesying about us, you and me. that's going to take place hundreds of years later after Jesus has come and he's given up his life and now the Holy Spirit has entered the scene. And here's what is being promised hundreds of years before that. Verse 25, here's what God says. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And here's what he says. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. In other words, I will put my spirit within you. So then you have everything that you need to live the life that I've called you to live. So you will then be able to do the behavior stuff. So you will be able to walk in obedience. To obey the life that I have for you. To do the things that I want. But it starts and what has to happen in order for that to take place. Is me to give you my spirit. Now think about that for just a minute. This is what separates us as Christians from every other religion and any other movement on the face of the planet. You look at every other religion and it's about God being out there. God, you know, Allah or, you know, all of these gods that are out there somewhere. And sometimes we, we sort of equate that to Christianity. We think that's the same about the way that... That our Christian life is supposed to be. That God is out there and he's kind of cheering us on. And he's saying, come on, you can do this. I know you can live the life that I have for you. And it's up to us to muster up enough strength and enough energy to do it. But God says, no, 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 that's not what I have for you. You, you can never accomplish that by yourself. And the Israelites proved that in the Old Testament when it constantly became one of these things of repent, repent. Try to live the life that God had for them, screw up. Repent, try to live the life that God had for them, screw up. And it was just a a rinse and repeat. It was just a constant thing that the the Israelites were trying to do it and they could never do it. And God's saying, I'm going to take it a step further. You can never do it on your own. You can never accomplish it. This is too great. The life that I have for you is too incredible for you to be able to accomplish it by yourself. It's not enough for me to be out there. I'm going to come in here. And I'm going to breathe life into you. And I'm going to take your cold, dead heart, and I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh, a heart that desires to love me, a heart that beats for me, a heart that, that I can then allow through me giving you a new heart to completely change who you are and give you all of the resources necessary to do what I want you to do. It's about God transforming our heart, living inside of us. And then as a result of that, as we learn to submit to that, as we learn to give control over to God, as we allow the Holy Spirit in us to do what we can't do by ourselves, then we start experiencing the revolution. Then we start beginning to to see that transformational, dynamic life that Jesus has for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 10, here's what Paul says. He says, you are no longer controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. This is all about a spirit-filled life. This is about understanding that God and all of the nature of God, the holiness of God, the power of God, the presence of God, all of the attributes, all of these incredible things, who God is, now is imparted to us through the Holy Spirit in us. And as we learn to submit, as we learn to relinquish control, we now watch as the Spirit-filled life starts to allow us to do what God wants for us. Let me put it another way. Let me ask you this question as we close tonight. What if I asked you this question? Do you think it would be easier to live the Christian life if you had Jesus walking around with you? So when you went to school, bam, there's Jesus in his, you know, long flowing beard and beautiful robe, and he walks with you to your class. When you're sitting at home, bam, there's Jesus sitting on the couch next to you. When you go to work, there's Jesus. When you show up here, Jesus is here standing next to you. How many of you guys say that would make it a whole lot easier for me to live the life that God's called us to live? Raise your hand if you think that that would be easier. And I don't know of many of us that wouldn't sign up for that. And count me in. You know, Jesus is going to walk around, and maybe that makes situations a little bit awkward. But, I mean, we think, man, if Jesus, if you were just here next to me walking around and telling me what to do and telling me how to live, this whole Christian life would be a whole lot easier. And here's what God says. He says, I've got something better for you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and he's going to live in you. So you know what the difference between having Jesus beside us and having the Holy Spirit in us is? If Jesus is beside us, yeah, he can still say, hey, don't do that, and don't do that, and you should do this. And, you know, we feel like we'd have a whole lot more wisdom in terms of the way that we live. But it's still up to us to do it. But see, with the Holy Spirit in us, not only does God lead and guide us and say, hey, don't do this, or do this, or this is what I want for you, or imparts wisdom to us in situations. But God also gives us the power to complete it because he's in us. It's not about us mustering up enough strength and energy on our own to try to do it. We submit, and God lives through us. See, having the Holy Spirit within us is more powerful than having Jesus beside us. And when we understand how powerful it is to have God in us and live in that reality every single day, we begin to experience a revolution. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk specifically about four gifts That God gives to us. Four gifts that God makes available to us. That if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior right now in this moment, you have these gifts in you. You have every single thing that you need to live a radical, dynamic relationship and life in Christ. And it's not because you try harder. It's because you start with that reality that Jesus lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. If we don't get that, the next four weeks will be a waste. Maybe some of you in the room tonight. Maybe the reason why you're so frustrated. Maybe you're looking and go, yeah, well, why don't I experience this incredible power? Why don't I experience this incredible life that God has for me? For some of you, it's got to start where you just allowing that reality to soak in. God, you live in me. God, you live in me. God, you live in me. God, you are in my heart through the Holy Spirit. And to stop trying harder and just allow that reality first and foremost to soak in. Maybe there's some of you in the room tonight who, maybe you've never taken that step and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you haven't fully understood it. Maybe you're just not really sure that it's for you. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it changes everything. Maybe you're sitting in the room tonight and, and, man, you look at your life and you feel hopeless and you feel lost and you feel abandoned. And you're feeling all these things like, I just don't feel like I have any purpose and I don't know what I'm here for. And I don't feel like I add any value to anywhere I go. I want you to know that there is a God who loves you, who created you. And who desires to change everything about you. To take that hopelessness that you might feel right now. And fill you with more hope than you've ever experienced in your life. To take those feelings of that you're a failure or that you're a sinner. That you constantly fall short. And say, I make you worthy. And by you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And receiving the forgiveness that only he can offer you. The Bible says the old life is gone. A new life has come. And you can begin to experience a radical transformation, a revolution. But it starts from the inside. And understanding that God lives in us. Let's pray. Jesus, may, may you not allow us to leave this room until we understand that. God, I felt like I had all the answers. I felt like I was mature in my faith. I felt like as a 23-year-old as a newly married person that I had a lot of things figured out and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And God, you smacked me in the face with the reality that I haven't even scratched the surface of understanding how incredible what you have done for me through the cross is. God, I pray for all of us in this room that you would bring us up close to where we may understand the depths of your love for us. And that the cross literally changes everything. That when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, that right now we don't just sit in this room a little bit of a better version, a less sinful person of who we, than who we used to be. God, we are someone that we have never been before. You have transformed everything about who we are. God, I pray that we may begin to experience that and understand the power of you living inside of us. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.